Good mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, several reports on the health of the real estate market are coming out this week, and they are not likely to paint a particularly rosy picture. How does our local market compare to the national trends for both buyers and sellers? We'll take a closer look. Also this morning, more advice on open enrollment, five things every Medicare recipient should be doing right now, well ahead of the December deadline. And it may or may not have panicked America, but the legendary War of the Worlds radio drama did prove beyond any doubt the enormous power of the new media known as broadcasting. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Tuesday, October 24th, 2023. You know, it's kind of interesting, the... uh, I think of the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade in New York as sort of the kickoff to the uh, to the holiday season. For us, it's more like the Halloween Parade. And you know how everybody's, you know, kicking off Christmas earlier and earlier. So consider this the kickoff <laughs> of the holiday season. But anyway, looking forward to a great crowd. Hope to see you at the Halloween Parade tonight. This is maybe the craziest story that I saw yesterday and i don't know if you happen to see this popped up on my newsfeed an off-duty pilot riding in the cockpit on an alaska airlines flight uh was reportedly arrested on sunday night after he allegedly tried to shut down the engines on the plane mid-flight uh the uh, pilot was identified as 44 year old joseph emerson Uh, As reported by the Seattle Times yesterday, Alaska Airlines confirmed that a commercial flight between Everett, Washington and San Francisco had to be diverted to Portland due to a credible security threat from an authorized occupant in the flight deck jump seat. It's not uncommon for pilots to, when they're not piloting a plane when they're just flying as a passenger to sit in the jump seat in the cockpit um, so as not to take a seat from a paying passenger. But this pilot apparently mid-flight jumped up and tried to pull the levers that would shut off the engines of the plane. Why he did that, no one seems to know. Uh, No motive for the incident has been released or or determined. Um, The pilot's alleged attempt at shutting down the engines was ultimately unsuccessful, and the uh, jet landed without issue. The plane's pilots were able to subdue their allegedly unruly colleague, and once they uh, landed, police came on board and escorted the, uh, the suspect off the plane in handcuffs. Uh, he is now facing 83 felony counts of attempted murder because that's how many people were on board the plane and a charge of reckless endangerment, according to arrest records. But just absolutely crazy. Wow. I don't know what to make of that. Uh, by the way, speaking of uh, travel, I saw this story too uh, on the uh, Newswire. A passenger on a Southwest Airlines flight was removed due to her need to pet her puppy to keep it from whining. The passenger's story has gone viral on TikTok. According to the video Sarah Price posted, she was flying with an eight-week-old puppy who needed to be consoled. Because she had to open the pet carrier to attend to the whining dog, that meant the carrier was not considered to be secured as required by Southwest Airlines policy. And therefore, Ms. Price and her husband were ejected from the flight, presumably once it landed. <laughs> they, they didn't just throw them out midair. Um, but once the flight landed, uh, they were escorted from the flight. The uh, trio, uh, Ms. Price, her husband, and her puppy had to catch a United Airlines flight uh, to uh, finish the final leg of their journey. Uh, Southwest Airlines representative said, quote, our employees are trained to ensure customers are following protocol. And in this situation, and after the customer repeatedly refused to comply with our 
crew's instructions, uh, they were removed from the flight. So apparently they asked him several times, uh, please keep the puppy in the carrier, uh, close that up, and uh, they did not comply, and thus they were kicked off the flight. Wow, that's not messing around with uh, animals in the cockpit uh, or in the uh, in the passenger cabin. So the uh, Halloween parade is tonight, as we mentioned. Um, candy, of course, that's that's the big attraction for the Halloween parade, and of course, trick or treat is right around the corner as well. Instacart has crunched the numbers to come up with a list of the most popular candies this year. And to no one's surprise, Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are still number one on the list. They have been for years and years and years. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups uh, are the king of Halloween candy. As a matter of fact, if you break it down state by state, uh, Reese's are the most popular candy in 11 states overall, including Ohio. Uh, Ranking second overall for sales, peanut M&M's. So Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, peanut butter or peanut M&M's, not peanut butter M&M's. They have those two. These are peanut M&M's are number two. Regular M&M's were third on the list. Uh, Fourth and fifth place go to Tootsie Pops and Twizzlers, which is kind of interesting. That's not necessarily what... I would have guessed, but Tootsie Pops and Twizzlers, number four and five on the list. In case you're curious, Candy Corn ranks eighth, and Starburst is number 10 on the list. So I don't make of that what you will, but those are the uh, the top five. Reese's, Peanut M&M's, regular M&M's, Tootsie Pops and Twizzlers. By the way, the uh, cost of Halloween candy uh, is reportedly up 13% this year over last. So it's going to be a little more uh, expensive to placate the trick-or-treaters and the parade-goers tonight. Speaking of food, McDonald's, this is big news, McDonald's is giving customers a new reason to enjoy Fridays. Fridays are now Fry-days. The fast food chain has launched Free Fries Friday. Say that five times fast. Free Fries Friday. Giving away an order of free medium fries every Friday for the rest of the year. Uh, You can snag free fries beginning this Friday through December 31st. There are a couple of catches, uh, but nothing too salty. It says here. See what I did there? People have to uh, use the rewards program. You have to opt into Mickey D's rewards program on the McDonald's app. And then once you're registered, you have to make an order of a minimum of $1. So they're free with a purchase of at least a dollar. On the app, you go to deals, select free fries Friday, and then tap add deal to mobile order. Customers also must have a contactless payment method set up using any major credit or debit card that is added to their account. And after all of those steps, you will be good to go. Just pick up your order at any participating McDonald's restaurant. Um, It is only good for you can redeem it once every Friday. So it's not like you can go like 10 times on Friday, get 10 orders of fries. Just one order of fries per Friday, but every Friday through the end of the year. So big, big news there. want to make sure you are aware because that's what we want to do right out of the gate. Make sure that you are up to speed on all of the important news of the day. And that certainly qualifies. <laughs> and um, one other food related story I saw on the newswire. Every Day, we have to have something to be concerned about. We have, we have something to be worried about. And here is today's story. Apparently, a certain variety of bananas could be going extinct. Cavendish bananas. I did not realize. Apparently, ben- bananas are like apples. There are different varieties. I did not know that. I thought bananas are bananas. But uh, they're kind of like apples. They've got all kinds of different varieties. And Cavendish bananas, which make up about half of the world's banana market, could go extinct 
according to this warning from scientists. A new strain of fungal disease has already infected crops in Asia, Africa, the Middle East, Australia, and Central America. Cavendish bananas used to be immune to this disease, but they are not immune to a new strain which has popped up. Scientists are now working on genetically genetically modifying bananas to create a resistant replacement for the Cavendish banana, which could be on its way to extinction. What? What? No more bananas? Yes. Yes, we have no bananas. Is that the old song? Yes, we have no bananas. And we may not ever, ever again. I just, this is, oh man, that is, that is scary. That is scary indeed. There you go. Some of the most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Tuesday morning started. WFIN News, I'm Matt Demchek. Your WTOL 11 weather. Mostly sunny today with a high in the mid-70s. Partly cloudy tonight, a low around 60. The Cops and Kids Finley Halloween Parade is happening tonight along South Main Street in Finley. Teresa White is with the Fort Finley FOP Lodge 20 Foundation. The parade is one of Finley's oldest single-day family traditions in the city. And we're just very blessed that it's a fundraiser for our foundation. All proceeds go to the Cops and Kids Champion Fund, ensuring that we have positive interaction between youth and law enforcement for years to come. The parade will begin at 7 p.m. at 6th Street, Lake Cascades Parkway, and head north on South Main Street, ending at Lima Street. Get more details about the Finley Halloween Parade in the story on our website. The still-looming federal government shutdown and chaos in Congress have pushed the farm bill to the side, which could have a direct impact on thousands of Ohioans who rely on food banks. The farm bill actually provides low-income food for those in need. The executive director of the Ohio Food Bank says the uncertainty around the federal funding for food banks and nutrition programs is compounding the struggles to meet demand. As the demand increases but fewer dollars from the federal government are being allocated because Congress isn't at work, the greater the concern of how to feed more Ohioans who are turning to food banks. ONN's Kevin Landers reporting from Columbus. Hancock Public Health has a few more community flu and COVID clinics coming up in the next few weeks. One will be held at Liberty Benton Elementary Middle School on Wednesday from 4 to 6 in the gymnasium. Another clinic will be held on November 3rd at Dorney Plaza in Finley as the health department's mobile clinic will be on site. Get more on these and other upcoming clinics in the story on our website. According to one survey, Ohio's capital city is full of potty mouths. Columbus residents used more four-letter words than any other American city in a Preply survey of over 1,500 American swearing patterns in the 30 largest cities. The Columbus Dispatch reports that Columbus residents swear 36 times a day compared to 21 times nationwide. When asked where they swear the most, 69% of Americans responded work. Other findings include more than 50% of Americans use cuss word euphemisms like fudge, shoot, and dang. Eric Brown, ONN News. Remember, you can always get more news online anytime at WFIN.com. So our cover story this morning, if you follow such things, we're going to get several reports this week on the health of the real estate market. And at least according to many experts, they are not likely to point a particularly rosy picture given where we stand right now. A lot of different factors, a lot of different headwinds in this. But the question is, how does our local market compare to the national trends for both buyers and sellers? We are joined this morning by Brian Witta, Coldwell Banker, Flag City Realty, and kind of put some perspective on this. Brian, as you point out, you often point out, every market is a little bit different How do, to this point, again, we don't know what the numbers are going to say. The Case-Shiller Home Price Index is going to be out later on this morning. We'll get uh, pending home sales, existing home sales, and so on uh, over the uh, course of the next several days. We don't know what the numbers are going to say, but what, to this point, has been the comparison you have seen national trends versus local trends? Well, good morning, Chris. Thanks for having me. You know, I, it's it's important for people to not see numbers at a national level and assume that they correlate well to the local market. We don't want anybody running around saying the sky is falling because that's just not the case. Right. We are still seeing real estate come out of that COVID blip 
during the COVID years, the numbers just went on their ear. And so, you know, while residential sales are down from this point the previous year, we still are coming out of that COVID blip. And I don't think we're going to see anything normalized for about another year when interest rates hopefully start to decline somewhat. If I go back to September of last year Mm -hmm. and I look at residential sales, we had 44 residential sales in the Finley zip code um, in the month of September. And that sounds low, but we're carrying on average only about 90 listings on the high end right now. So you mentioned enter interest rates, and that really is, I, I think, for many people, the 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 big bane of the real estate market. I mean, a year ago, uh, a, a two hundred thousand dollar mortgage would have translated to a monthly payment of nine, roughly nine hundred fifty dollars. Today, at eight percent, that same two hundred thousand dollar mortgage is going to uh, cost fifteen, nearly fifteen hundred dollars a month. That is a big jump over the course of the past year, and it's keeping, in many cases, both buyers and sellers on the sidelines. Is it not? It, it is changing some behaviors. I don't know that in the Finley market we have seen a, a huge number of people say, hey, I'm out. I can't do this. This isn't going to work. Mm-hmm. So we are still seeing what I would consider to be a healthy amount of activity on both the buyer and seller side of the fence. It, it Generally, when we're looking at numbers from the national perspective, we're, we're seeing it we're seeing a skew somewhat because the larger markets always tend to tip the numbers. Yeah. And I jokingly would tell people 35% of all statistics are made up. So if you, <laughs> if you want, if you want to get a good handle on what's happening at the local level, don't look at the national numbers, talk to the local folks here. The interest rates are a concern for some buyers and they've changed buyer behavior in that a buyer may have been looking at a $400,000 house a year and a half ago, right. and now they're looking at a 290 to a 310 to try to preserve some of their budget, knowing, like any smart buyer, they can refinance that later when rates drop. And yet, we've seen uh, home prices continue to climb, in part because inventory is tight. So you've got these two forces kind of button up against each other. It, yes, and I'm glad you brought that up because that's an important point. The there are people out there who are, and these these aren't the economists. These these are just people on the sidelines, kind of watching, saying, "Well, we must be headed for a bubble." Folks, we're not headed for a bubble. If you if you compare the current situation to 2008, mm-hmm. it is night and day different. People are equity rich in their homes. There is nowhere near the amount of inventory that what's needed. Those two pieces alone will negate the likelihood of a huge bubble like we saw in 2008. Will there be areas where there is some crumbling of the market, some some chipping away at the strength of it? Sure. We, we aren't going to see large-scale uh, backward movement and values. We aren't going to see what we saw in 2008. Mm-hmm. If you listen to Dave Ramsey, he, he is a huge proponent of this, saying, folks, this is a supply-demand issue. Right. That's all it is. Well, and, and that leads to the question, I mean, you've got this uh, unstoppable force meeting the immovable object in terms of high interest rates, rising home prices. What breaks that, uh, that, that kind of stalemate, I guess? Well, we, we are seeing sellers' pricing come back down, not, mm-hmm. not where um, sellers are losing money or losing equity in their home. Right. What we're starting to see is that pricing come back down off of what I call the COVID bubble. Mm-hmm. The COVID years, uh, because everyone was staring at the four walls around them saying, my gosh, we need to make a change. Now's the time to do it. Well, that drove a premium in the market that we don't have at this point. So the pricing now is more normal. The pricing is starting to come back down to what is a more palatable number. Mm -hmm. Even though the interest rates are higher, buyers know they can refinance it. Um, But we're just starting to see more normal if there is such a thing. Yeah. What about the concerns? And again, nationally, this has been one of the narratives, uh, especially as student loan repayments have started. Obviously, we know inflation is squeezing so many people's budget, especially young people who are just starting out. Young home buyers, 
the, the narrative has been many of them are getting squeezed out of the market because it is becoming much more expensive and they have all of these other things that they have to worry about. How concerning is it when young home buyers drop out of the market, even temporarily? It's never a good thing when we see a segment of the population stop participating. Yeah. Um, we, we always, I always think of the housing market as rungs on the ladder. You know, we start with the renters and move up to the hundred, two hundred, three hundred thousands and so on mm-hmm. up the ladder. And when a segment of that market drops off and we miss a rung in the ladder, it can create some blips that we don't like. But I will tell you, Chris, I, I personally in my business have not experienced, uh, buyers largely who start and drop out. At the onset, we spend time talking about what that looks like and the ability to refinance. And maybe that means we change the budget a little bit. Like I mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. the, the buyer behavior is important. If you can buy now and start to build equity, you can, you can buy up later. And the quickest way to build generational wealth is to own real estate. Yeah. It's the safest and, investment there is. And that's always been the case. You referenced uh, the differences between what we are seeing now and what we saw back in 2008 when we had a big bubble that burst and it caused all kinds of chaos. One of the things that led to the crisis in real estate uh, some 15, 20 years ago now, it's hard to believe that it's been that long ago, were some of the programs that allowed people to get into homes that they couldn't necessarily afford and maybe shouldn't have purchased in the first place. And I saw an advertisement uh, just in the past week from a lender with a local presence, I won't mention which one, but I would imagine many lenders have similar programs advertising no money down mortgages and loans for those with credit scores as low as 600. And I saw that and I thought, hmm, that may be uh, asking for trouble there. How concerned are you that in the effort to drum up more business, lenders may be taking more chances than they should? I don't see it at a large scale, and and I know exactly which commercial you're speaking of because I saw it as well. Yeah, um, I, it it does make me cringe a little bit when I hear it. But let's look at it this way: car dealers often will have programs to help people who've had some blips on their credit, and sometimes mm-hmm. those blips are through no fault of their own. Yeah, Maybe, perhaps it's a bankruptcy, a divorce situation, and someone's trying to reestablish themselves. If there is a buyer who is qualified other than having some issues with credit and they're trying to reestablish, it's going to translate to a higher interest rate. No question. And if that buyer is capable of purchasing at the higher interest rate, we are putting perhaps a single mom into a house who is providing stability for her children. Um, There are some benefits that come from that. But when I look at the, the overall requirements from 2008 to now, we don't have stated income anymore. You can't walk into a lender and say, hi, you know, hi, Larry lender. I make $400,000 a year. I want a million dollar loan. Yeah. That doesn't happen. No questions like asked. Like it did. Yeah. yeah. Right. You can't just fog a mirror and get a loan. You actually have to produce tangible documentation to prove your income, your assets, and, and to qualify. And you go through a rigorous underwriting process that is worse and, and not worse. That's the wrong word. It's it's much more stringent than more it was rigorous. in 2008. Yeah. yeah. Uh, very good point. Again, uh, Brian Witt is with us, Coldwell Banker, Flag City Realtors. And uh, we mentioned that several uh, reports on the health of the real estate market are coming out this week. Kind of give you some perspective of what we are seeing locally to balance that out when you hear some of those national numbers, what does and doesn't apply to our local area. Brian, thanks very much for the insight. As always, we appreciate it. Thank you, Chris. Well, we told you we were going to talk a lot more about this over the next several weeks in order to give you the most information possible to make the best decisions possible for your situation. The annual enrollment period for Medicare is open now. Through December 7th, Whitney Stidham is Vice President of Sales and Operations at eHealth. And Whitney, explain once again why it is so important to take advantage of this opportunity when it certainly would be much easier to just roll over one's current plan into 2024. 
Yeah, you know, the, the annual enrollment period is a time that allows Medicare eligible beneficiaries to change their Medicare Advantage plan or their prescription drug plan or even enroll for the first time. Uh, it's really important because your needs can change from year to year, but then also plans can change year over year. You know, you mentioned the plan may roll over into next year. You're right. Uh, it's possible your plan will continue into next year, but there are changes that occur. Yeah. And so every year the insurance companies make changes and they send an annual notice of change to everyone that's on their plan. And so it's important to read through that annual notice of change and understand, you know, what what is changing. Uh, they can change coverage. They can change, you know, your co-pays or your co-insurance. Mm-hmm. And so that's what the annual enrollment period really is for from October 15th through December 7th every year to review those changes and determine if you if you really should make a change. So with, so with that in mind, you have five things that every Medicare beneficiary needs to know. What are they? Yeah, so top five tips for uh, seniors is one, to take an inventory. Uh, over the past year, you know, what were the changes in your health coverage or your health care uh, your prescription drugs that you're taking, mm-hmm. any upcoming procedures, and then also your finances and your budget. Those things can change. So understand what those are and then be aware. Like I said, read through that annual notice of change, but also understand what other plans are offering. Uh, every year we're seeing that plans are offering more and more benefits, but not every plan is opting into those. And so it's important to also understand what other plans are offering and maybe they can save you some more money. Uh, number three is to be prepared. So really have a list of your prescriptions and a list of your doctors. Uh, have your Medicare card with your Medicare ID available on that because when you're, if you do decide to change plans or enroll, uh, you'll need that information. And then uh, four is going to be clear the calendar. Schedule some time uh, with a licensed insurance agent. Takes 45 minutes to an hour. Uh, and so set that time aside. And, and the lastly, just do that early. Don't wait until December 7th. Uh, that, you know, you don't need to add stress to the, an already stressful and confusing right. uh, situation. So take action. Uh, and meet with an insurance advisor uh, early. Resist that urge to procrastinate. Um, now, <laughs> once you do, you can you can uh, make a, a an election. You can make a selection and and uh, change uh, make that decision really anytime between now and December seventh. You don't have to wait until December seventh. But once you make that decision, you are locked in, right? So what? how can we best uh, prepare for this? What options do we have or what tips do you have uh, so that we, you know, don't on the other hand, jump the gun on this? Yeah. My recommendation is to talk to an expert. You know, there are lots and lots of options and plans out there and it could take days or months if you try to research it on your own. Uh, And so if you're talking to an expert that who does this every day, and understands the plans available in your area. You know, they'll do a, what we do is we do a personalized needs assessment. We understand, you know, what your doctors are, what your prescriptions are, and then we find a plan that will match. Uh, and it, it, it takes, you know, a lot less time. We make it really easy and stress-free. So talk to, talk to an expert like eHealth. Uh, Whitney Stidham again is Vice President of Sales and Operations at eHealth uh, with us this morning. Where do folks get uh, more information? Yeah, so you can visit our website. It's eHealth.com. That's E-H-E-A-L-T-H.com. Or you can call us at 866-395-2104. Again, that's 866-395-2104. It's not necessarily anything that most people look forward to, but it is a very important time of year for Medicare recipients. Again, that open enrollment period uh, open now through December 7th. Whitney Stidham, thanks very much for uh, taking the time. We appreciate it. Thanks so much, Chris. Have a great day. This is Good Mornings with Chris Oaks on 1330 WFIN, WFIN.com and 95.5 FM. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. 
So as you know, in the uh, broken news, sometimes we have humorous stories, sometimes we have just weird stories, and this is one that falls into the weird category. A man who is arrested with a dead body in his car along an interstate in Iowa has pleaded not guilty to charges of murder. Iowa State Patrol troopers arrested the man earlier this month after responding to a call along Interstate 80. The man had actually called police himself to enlist help from troopers to restart his broken-down car. So he calls to get help with his broken-down vehicle on the interstate. Officers responded to try and help him get going again, and that's when they noticed a dead man covered in discarded laundry slumped in the passenger seat. (laughs) Now, again, I mean, there's nothing humorous about somebody killing somebody else, but if you've got a dead body covered in laundry in your passenger seat, why in the world do you call police to ask for help? That's... (laughs) Um... Apparently, the deceased individual suffered a fatal gunshot wound, and now this man uh, has been charged uh, with his murder. Just weird. Just weird. Uh, Speaking of weird things, the Florida Department of Transportation says construction crews unearthed a shipwreck from the 1800s as they were working on a drainage improvement project. Um, they just, <laughs> they're digging out uh, trenches for this drainage project and unearthed a well-preserved boat from the 19th century. Experts from uh, FDOT say the uh, ship could be from the mid to late, uh, mid to late 19th century. Uh, District 2 Secretary Greg Evans says in a statement they believe that the vessel may have sunk unexpectedly and over time was silted in. I mean, you expect shipwrecks off the coast of Florida, but usually not inland. <laughs> Shipwreck inland. They said over the course of 100, 150 years, uh, it was silted in. And uh, that's why they found it on, on dry land or underneath dry land. It was very well preserved because the soil and mud blocked out the air that would have promoted decay of the ship. So very well preserved. Just, again, weird. Uh, What else is going on in the uh, broken news? Uh, Two suspects are in custody after allegedly stealing vodka and Red Bulls out of stopped train cars in Tennessee. Metro police were called to an area of the uh, railroad tracks last Friday afternoon on reports that someone had broken into shipping containers... On the train cars, officers reported finding locks cut off of 10 train cars, and two people were sitting beside roughly 30 cases of vodka that had been stacked onto the ground. (laughs) They were right there with their stack of ill-gotten goods. Uh, The uh, individuals in question, names not given in the report, the individuals in question were arrested on various charges. Officials say they eventually admitted to taking the liquor and the energy drinks. (laughs) No, they were planning a party or what? There you go. Rather unusual theft from the train cars. A rather quirky legal dispute in northern Colorado is making headlines. A welding business, uh, Fired Up Fabrication, attempted to settle a $23,000 debt to one of its subcontractors, JMF Enterprises, with a truckload of coins. $23,000 in coins. 6,500 pounds of loose change that required a forklift to move. The... The attorney for the plaintiffs described it as a symbolic middle finger. The unusual delivery was intended to be a colossal inconvenience for the recipients. The dispute stems after fired up fabrication claimed it wasn't paid in full 
for some welding work that it did at a local apartment building leading to a civil lawsuit. While the settlement agreement did not specify a form of payment, the coin delivery took things to a new level. And uh, the uh, welder fired up fabrication actually took JMF back to court, uh, calling the stunt petty and a waste of time. JMF's attorney argued that the coins constituted a valid form of payment, but the judge was not amused. He perceived it as a malicious, uh, as malicious um, toward the uh, plaintiff. In the end, this particular payment might end up costing JMF more than they anticipated as the judge not only ruled in favor of a more conventional payment method, ordered a more conventional payment method, but also has tacked on additional attorney's fees to the settlement. In the realm of legal disputes, sometimes a little humor and creativity uh, is not a good thing. So, judge was not amused. Uh, Let's see, and a couple of other items here in the broken news. This is kind of like a scene out of The Wizard of Oz. California police were left bewildered by the sudden appearance of an abandoned shack on a city street in Irwindale. (laughs) An abandoned shack just suddenly showed up in the middle of the street. And uh, there was, there's no video, no clues as to, no insight as to how this particular abode landed there in the middle of the street. On a Facebook post, the Irwindale Police Department said, an anonymous caller reported that a house seemingly fell from the sky and landed in the middle of one of our city streets. Um, The post reassured concerned citizens, noting there are no witches harmed when the house landed. Uh, A team from Royal Coaches Towing was summoned to click their heels together and whisk the house away. Uh, no word on what they did with the shack after they removed it. The person who reported it wouldn't have been named Dorothy, would she? I don't... I don't know. And finally, in the broken news this morning, a little good news, a story to make you smile here. A pair of brothers from Devlin, Wisconsin, have set a new Guinness World Record for the largest grilled cheese sandwich. 10-year-old Iggy and 11-year-old Exodus. What names? Iggy and Exodus. (laughs) Age 10 and 11 made the sandwich 10.9 feet long, 6 and a quarter feet wide, and 2 and 3 quarters inches thick. They (laughs) used... More than 300 pounds of bread dough and 60 pounds of cheese to construct the world's largest grilled cheese sandwich. Uh, the uh, boys, by the way, have their own YouTube channel, The Exodus and Iggy Show, and have uh, 150,000 subscribers, I would guess more, after setting the world record for the largest grilled cheese sandwich. That is, that is all kinds of awesome. And these kids could be getting into a lot of trouble, but uh, they're uh, doing things like this on their YouTube channel. I think that's great. There you go. Uh, Some of the uh, unusual and uh, odd uh, news items of the day. Today's broken news report. And with that, we now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. Did you know more than 80 million Americans depend on AM radio for their news, traffic, weather, sports, and a community connection? AM radio is the backbone of the emergency alert system, keeping Americans safe in dangerous times. This is News Director Matt Demchek. AM 1330 WFIN is here to serve you, and we take seriously our commitment to our listeners. We would love to hear what you value most about AM radio. Visit wearebroadcasters.com and tell us how you depend on AM. Time now for your daily download, the numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives. The Pew Research Center asked 5,000 Americans about their friendships. How many friends do you have? Um, Are they the same gender as you? Are they the same race as you? Asked all kinds of questions about people 
and their friends. 5,000 Americans in this survey. And what they found was kind of interesting. 53% of those respondents say they have between one and four close friends. Friends they would consider close friends. Between one and four. 53%. That seems to be the uh, average. Older adults were more likely to have more than more close friends than that. The older you are, the more close friends you are likely to have uh, than those as compared to those under the age of 30, which I thought was kind of interesting. 66% were more likely to have friends of the same gender. Two-thirds say their closest friends are the same gender. Women in particular more likely to be close friends with other women than they are men. When it comes to race, 63% of all respondents said that their friends were the same race as they are, but that dips down to 53% of adults under the age of 30 who said that their friends shared their race. So kind of interesting, uh, younger adults have a more diverse friend circle of friends. And when it comes to race comparing you know your race to the the race of other of of other friends hispanic adults in particular were less likely to say that their friends shared their race so i thought that was kind of interesting hispanic individuals more likely to have a more diverse set of friends which is probably not what i would have guessed overall 72% of americans with at least one close friend say that they are happy in that friendship relationship. So, the latest survey on friends, according to Pew Research. So, the legend goes that in 1938, Orson Welles and his company of players on the Mercury Theater of the Air panicked America with its realistic adaptation of the H.G. Wells novel War of the Worlds, depicting an alien invasion and attack on the planet Earth through a series of fake news bulletins. And while the program did certainly cause a stir, the legends of widespread panic probably overblown. Some believe that it was all a myth created by newspapers who felt threatened by the still relatively new medium of radio and were anxious to discredit it. But even that theory has been discounted by some historians as well. Whatever the truth actually is, it's largely been lost to history. But one thing that everyone does agree on is that it was one of the first demonstrations of the enormous power of instantaneous information. And it all began like this. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. From the Meridian Room in the Park Plaza Hotel in New York City, we bring you the music of Raymond Raquello and his orchestra. With the touch of the Spanish, Raymond Raquello leads off with La Capacita. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we interrupt our program of dance music to bring you a special bulletin from the Intercontinental Radio News. At 20 minutes before 8 central time, Professor Farrell of the Mount Jennings Observatory, Chicago, Illinois, reports observing several explosions of incandescent gas occurring at regular intervals on the planet Mars. The spectroscope indicates the gas to be hydrogen and moving toward the Earth with enormous velocity. Professor Pearson of the observatory at Princeton confirms Farrell's observation and describes the phenomenon as, quote, like a jet of blue flame shot from a gun, unquote. We now return you to the music of Ramon Raquello, playing for you in the meridian room of the Park Plaza Hotel, situated in downtown New York. Ladies and gentlemen, following on the news given in our bulletin a moment ago, we have arranged an interview with a noted astronomer, Professor Pearson, who will give us his views on this event. We are ready now to take you to the Princeton Observatory at Princeton, where Carl Phillips, our commentator, will interview Professor Richard Pearson, famous astronomer. We take you now to Princeton, New Jersey. 
Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This is Carl Phillips speaking to you from the observatory at Princeton. Professor, may I begin our questions? Uh, Any time, Mr. Phillips. Professor, would you please tell our radio audience exactly what you see as you observe the planet Mars through your telescope? Nothing unusual at the moment, Mr. Phillips. A red disk swimming in the blue sea. Transverse stripes across the disk. Quite distinct now, because Mars happens to be at the point nearest the Earth, in opposition, as we call it. In your opinion, what do these transverse stripes signify, Professor Pearson? Not canals, I can assure you, Mr. Phillips. Although, that's the popular conjecture of those who imagine Mars to be inhabited. From a scientific viewpoint, the stripes are merely the result of atmospheric conditions peculiar to the planet. Then, you're quite convinced, as a scientist, that living intelligence as we know it does not exist on Mars? The chances against it are a thousand to one. And yet, how do you account for these gas eruptions occurring on the surface of the planet at regular intervals? Phillips, I cannot account for it. By the way, Professor, for the benefit of our listeners, how far is Mars from the Earth? Approximately 40 million miles. (laughs) Well, that seems a safe enough distance. Thank you, Professor. Ladies and gentlemen, here is the latest bulletin from the Intercontinental Radio News. Toronto, Canada. Professor Morris of Macmillan University reports observing a total of three explosions on the planet Mars between the hours of 7.45 p.m. and 9.20 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. This confirms earlier reports received from American observatories. Now nearer home comes a special bulletin from Trenton, New Jersey. It is reported that at 8.50 p.m. a huge flaming object, believed to be a meteorite, fell on a farm in the neighborhood of Grover's Mill, New Jersey, 22 miles from Trenton. The flash in the sky was visible within a radius of several hundred miles. We have dispatched a special mobile unit to the scene. We take you now to Grover's Mills, New Jersey. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Carl Phillips again, out at the Wilmoth Farm, Grover's Mill, New Jersey. Professor Pearson and myself made the 11 miles from Princeton in 10 minutes. Well, I hardly know where to begin. Thank for your word picture of a strange scene before my eyes, like something out of a modern Arabian night. Well, I just got here. I haven't had a chance to look around yet. I guess that's it. Yes, I guess... That's the thing directly in front of me. Half buried in a vast pit. Must have struck with terrific force. The ground is covered with splinters of a tree. It must have struck on its way down. But I can see the object itself doesn't look very much like a meteor. At least not the meteors I've seen. It looks more like a huge cylinder. Has a diameter of... Um, um, what would you say, Professor Pearson? What's that? Uh, what would you say? Uh, what's the diameter of the... About 30 yards. About 30 yards. The metal on the sheath is... Well, I've never seen anything like it. The color is sort of yellowish-white. It's curious. Spectators now are pressing close to the object in spite of the efforts of the police to keep them back. They're getting in front of my line of vision. Uh, Would you mind standing one side, please? While the police are pushing the crowd back. Here's Mr. Wilmot, owner of the farm here. He may have some interesting facts to add. Mr. Wilmot. I was listening to the radio and kind of drowsing. That professor fellow was talking about Mars... So I was half dozing and half... Yes, yes, Mr. Wilmot, and uh, then what happened? I heard something. And what did you hear? A hissing sound, like, kind of like a Fourth of July rocket. Yes, then what? I seen a kind of greenish streak and then zingo. Something smacked the ground, knocked me clear out of my chair. Well, were you frightened, Mr. Wilmot? Well, I ain't quite sure. I reckon I was kind of riled. Well, thank you, Mr. Wilmot, thank you very much. Yeah, you want me to tell No, that's quite all right, that's plenty. Ladies and gentlemen, you've just heard Mr. Wilmot, owner of the farm, where this thing has fallen. Now, ladies and gentlemen, there's something I haven't mentioned in all this excitement, but it's becoming more distinct. It's a curious humming sound that seems to come from inside the object. Uh, Can you hear it now? Uh, Professor Pearson? Yes, Mr. Brown. Can you tell us the meaning of that scraping noise inside the thing? Possibly the unequal cooling of its surface. I say, do you still think it's a meteor, Professor? Metal casing is definitely extraterrestrial. Uh, not found on this earth. Friction with the earth's atmosphere usually tears holes in a meteorite. This thing is smooth and see of cylindrical oh, shape. Something's happening. Ladies and gentlemen, this is terrific. This end of the thing is beginning to flake off. The top is beginning to rotate like a screw and this thing must be hollow. He's moving! Ladies and gentlemen, this is the most terrifying thing I, I've ever witnessed. Wait a minute. Someone's calling someone or something. I can see... Turning out of that black hole, two luminous disks. The eyes, it might be a face, might be almost... But heavens, something wriggling out of the shadow like a gray snake. Now it's another one and another one and another one. They look like tentacles to me. 
Oh, yeah, I can see the thing's body now. It's large. It's large as a bear. Rising up now, and the crowd falls back. I have to stop the description until I can take a new position. Hold on, will you please? I'll be right back in a minute. We are bringing you an eyewitness account of what's happening on the Wilmoth Farm, Grover's Mill, New Jersey. We now return you to Carl Phillips at Grover's Mill. Ladies and gentlemen, here I am, back of a stone wall that adjoins Mr. Wilmoth's garden. From here, I get a sweep of the whole scene. More state police have arrived. They're drawing up a cordon in front of the pit. Wait a minute, something's happening. Humped shape is rising out of the pit. I can make out a small beam of light against a mirror. What's that? There's a jet of flame springing from the mirror and it leaps right at the advancing men. It strikes them head on. Oh, Lord, they're turning into flames. Oh, the whole field's caught up by the woods. The fires, the, the gas tanks, tanks of the automobiles are spreading everywhere. Coming this way now, about 20 yards to my right. Ladies and gentlemen, due to circumstances beyond our control, we are unable to continue the broadcast from Grover's Mill. Evidently, there's some difficulty with our field transmission. And with that, the alien invasion was underway. And in the process, Orson Welles and his War of the Worlds drama was sealed in American history. Again, talk about the uh, enormous power of instantaneous information which is still something that we deal with today, not in the same way, but, you know, obviously it is uh, still something uh, that we struggle to sort out reality from fiction sometimes uh, even today. You can hear the complete War of the Worlds broadcast tonight at 6 o'clock, right before our live coverage of the 2023 Cops and Kids Halloween Parade on 1330 WFIN, WFIN.com and 95.5 FM. And with that, we finish up our podcast for today. Again, thanks to all of our guests for joining us on the program each and every day. And you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about on the program at our webpage. Go to goodmornings.net. Coming up tomorrow morning, did you know that after World War II, nearly half of returning veterans started their own businesses? But today, fewer than 5% do. A new report from the Penn Fed Foundation examines the keys to better supporting veteran entrepreneurs. So until tomorrow morning, that is Good Mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. We'll see you at the Halloween parade tonight. Catch you back here tomorrow.